if you want to turn in your Bibles, again, we're going to continue on through 1 John. And um, we're in chapter 2. We're going to be going verses 20 through the end of the chapter. But I want to just step back a little bit into the Gospel of John. And I want to just read through the, the 15th chapter. Because we're going to be talking about abiding in Christ. And abiding in Christ is something very important that we maybe need to get this this wrapped around our mind what that means. In a world today where many churches have strayed from the truth of God, from the Bible, from the Word of God, they've gotten themselves into trying to compromise with the world and make the world's sins acceptable within the church. John gives us this challenge in his epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, of how we really are to live our life as individuals as well as believers. And one of these things that we're going to come to today is abiding in. But John also talks about this in his gospel, and it's not really him talking about it. This is Jesus' teachings to John that John penned down. So in John chapter 15, it talks about the true vine. And Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they are gathered, and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, as you will be my disciples." And then he goes on to talk about love and joy perfected. But he gives us this picture of abiding. And so that's what we're talking about today in in 1 John as we uh, turn there. We've talked about the Antichrist. We've talked about these uh, battles that we come up. Uh, I just love, again, these um, the the little epistles of John. Because for me, they're so rich. They're these tests. Uh, of our faith, they're the tests of really knowing God. Are we walking with Him the way that we should? Is our life truly that which Christ desires? In, in today's world, in America especially, I think we've promoted a cheap gospel. We, we've promoted this um, thing that just says, well, you know, if you go to church, if you have this, if you do this, then you're good enough. But Jesus says it's about a personal relationship. It's not just about going to church, though the church. Is something that Christ instituted. Many people forsake the going to church. Church is very important. God has, has created that for us to have fellowship, to have learning, to have teaching. Many people minimize that also in their life. But the truth that gets taught in the church is very important. And so when we look at the, this first epistle of John, and as we uh, continue on, we talked about the Antichrist last week and how there is the Antichrist, big A, uh, that's at the end times. He's going to come down as a world power. He's not going to come down on little horns and a tail. He's going to come looking like an angel of light. He's going to be a smooth talker. He's going to be 
That one that sells you the vacuum that you never wanted in the first place. He's that one that is just, you know, and he's going to be that type of a personality that's there. And we talked last week again about how the, the world stage is sort of set for that. But then we talked about the little antichrist, the ones that are at work luring us into the world all the time, away from God's word, compromising out God's word. And so we talked about the anointing of the Holy Spirit that every believer has in their life so they can discern these things, truth and, and falseness, truth and lies. And so we had in um, chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He who said he abides in him also, also, also to walk just as he walked. And so there's that word abide. That's the first time we're introduced to it in 1 John. So he's really saying if we are abiding in Christ, we ought to be walking as Christ walked. Now when we start talking about works or things that we do in the flesh, uh, well, I always have people get all sort of revved up and say, oh, you know, but we're saved by grace. You're right. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any one of us can boast. But we have works because of our salvation. So that's what John was talking about in chapter 15. He says, you're grafted into this vine. And he who is grafted in is going to be pruned. That means God's doing his work in us. And that branch will bear much fruit. And then he says, if you're not bearing fruit... Those are works that we look at. It says that is cut off and, and cast into the fire. That means that there was, it's a dead branch. You might see these in, in trees once in a while. I have a couple apple trees at home right now that the branches are dead. They're never going to produce fruit. So when the time is right, I cut them off, and then, of course, they go to the campfire. And so we are saved by grace through faith, okay? That's not of works. But God does talk about us abiding in him in him and us. And so it's a, it's a reciprocal thing that God is talking about. So sometimes we think we're doing our duty because we go to church. But the question is, is, is Christ abiding in you? Because there are going to be those at Judgment Day that go to Christ and say, well, haven't we done all these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so there's that relationship. Do we know Christ? So when we talk about abiding, it's talking about preserving our relationship with Christ. And so as we get into chapter 2 again, I'm just going to back up a little bit to uh, verses 20 through 24, we'll read. <clears throat> and it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he who does, uh, denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So we see this truth and lie thing that goes on. And so we say, well, how do we deny Christ? Churches are full this morning around this country with people that saying, I'm a Christian. But we can acknowledge Christ verbally, but deny him in our life. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I command. That's abiding in Christ. That's walking in Christ. And so we can have great professions. It says, with your mouth you swell great words, but your heart is far from me. And we're going to read in a moment where Jesus wants our heart. He wants to captivate our heart. Verse 24 as we continue on. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father. Well, what is that that we have heard from the beginning? The Word of God, right? 
John started out, he says, I'm telling you what we have heard from the beginning. The Gospel of John starts that way. From the beginning was God and his creation and his word that he has given us. So preserving relationships against the spirit of the Antichrist is only done by walking in his truth, by walking in his word. And sometimes we think, well, we're going we're gonna to make a difference in this world and, and we need to reach out to these people and we need to, you know, we, we can give. We talk about compromise in the world sometimes. And there are a lot of things in this world that we can compromise with, but God's word is not one of them. I have a little uh, a picture on my phone that, that says, this is my fact checker, and it shows a picture of the Bible. Okay? You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where truth is found. And the Bible gives us many, many warnings about, you know, the days that are coming when they're going to call evil good and good evil. And we're seeing that in the world today. Right. You know, Christians are, are made out to be bigots and, 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 and seclusionists and non-accepting. And they don't understand that, that we really are the ones that Jesus has called to love the world. We don't love the sin, but we love the world and we love those people because they're made in the image of God. And so um, we protect ourselves from these antichrists by being in God's word, by spending time in prayer, by having fellowship with one another because we can challenge one another in our walks. And, and we should never take that as attacks on one another. Sometimes if, if our life isn't right where it needs to be, I don't always see that in myself. And so sometimes my friends may point out, you know, that you, you sort of approach that with the wrong attitude or maybe you're not looking at things the right way. And so we challenge one another. As iron sharpens iron, the Bible would tell us. So one sharpens the countenance of another. You know, we want to be closer to Christ. We want to be more Christ-like in these things that we do. But we need to abide in this original core of God's word, of the Christian message. And the closer we are to that, the more victory we have in our life and the less likely we are to be drawn away. So that which we have heard from the beginning, as we walk in the simplicity of that message, it's not complicated. God's word is not compliment, uh, complicated at all. You know, sometimes, uh, I guess, theologians try to make, you know, try to impress you with all these words and different things. But the message of Christ is really easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We walk in love. But at the very basis of that is the truth of God and the truth of his word. How do you know what the truth is? The word declares it. The Bible declares what this truth is. And so we know in the world today that we are drawn away by, by new things a lot of times. You know, just I think by our human nature a lot of times, uh, new always seems better. New is always catching our eye. But new is not always better. Um, that which is from the beginning is better when it comes to truth. There are those still today that are proclaiming, I have a new truth. I have a new revelation. I have this. That's fine if you want to say that, but my question always is, is how does it line up with God's word? Because God's word is our foundation. If we build on anything other than the gospel of Christ, we're building with haste and stubble, and that's going to be burned up. And so in our lives, sometimes we need to shed these things out of our life because they've cluttered our life. All of us are guilty of getting these things in our life that, that cloud our walk with Christ. You know, a lot of times when I, I talk to people about Bible studies or, or even devotions that they do, they say, well, I'm just too busy. I, you know, I got this going on, I got this going on. I'm just too busy. And I say, 
really tell them a lot of times if you're too busy for the things of God, something else needs to go because God desires to be first in your life. We need to make time. If it means getting up a little earlier, if it means staying up a little later, if it means getting rid of something other in our life, we need to do that because we really need to be fed by God's word. You know, where is it in the scripture where it says that that time of famine is coming? This is not of water and food, but of the word of God. And I think we are in those times because the word of God right now gets twisted and distorted and, and it's not preached the way that I believe that it should be or the way that the Bible states that it needs to be, that clear message that we are sinners and we fall short and we need Christ in our life. We need forgiveness. I am not a self-made person. I am lost without him. And we get down on our knees and we ask God for his forgiveness and his strength and his direction in our life. You know, the Bible tells us that that we don't have to have this spirit of fear. I think uh, 1 Timothy talks about that. But it tells us that we have a, a, a mind of, of, with power and with um, love and a sound mind. We don't have to walk around in this generation with fear because we can have confidence in Christ when we abide in him and when he's abiding in us. And so we're going to spend our morning talking about this today, this abiding, because Paul talked about in Galatians 1 about those that were seeking a new gospel, a new way, the new thing. You ever notice that the new thing that happens, people get sort of excited about, oh, something new, something exciting, something this. Sometimes that can be okay, but a lot of times we need to weigh that with, what is the foundation? What is this based upon? You know, is, is, you know, this person known known for saying, what does the word of God say? I mean, I, I like that, that phrase, and I try to use that phrase as much as I can in my own life, and even when I counsel people. What does God's word say? Let's see what God's word say. Because I have opinions, I have emotions, I have feelings, I have thoughts, I have agendas. I have all these things in in our human nature that can cloud things. But at the end of the day, I need to say, but what is it that God's word say? And then I need to walk that way, because that's the way that God has called us to do. So we abide in that which is from the beginning when we stay close to the word of God. So we need to spend time in the word of God. You know, it does no good to say, what does the Bible say if we're never in the Bible to see what the word says? So we need to spend time in the Bible. We need to spend time doing, I think, personal devotions, I think, are very important. I think Bible studies are very important. I think just reading through the Bible, even just as a narrative, as a story, is important because we glisten and we glean and we get fed through those things. And so we stay close to our our Bibles, we stay close to the Word of God, and then we are walking closer to God. It helps us much more to abide in Him. Now we abide in Him by His power that He gives us, but we need to make these choices in our life. We have a choice each and every day what we're going to do, what our priorities are going to be, where God is going to fit into our life. It doesn't change who God is, it just changes where we're going that day. When we wake up in the morning, if we put Christ first and God first in the top of our list, it just seems for me anyways that as I go through that life, that day, I'm looking and saying, oh, is this God's hand? Is this, because I always ask God, God, give me opportunities. When I pray, I say, you know, Lord, give me the words to say. And so then when some thought comes, it's not like, oh man, I'm pretty smart. I thought about that. No, it's like God gave me that to say, you know, because of myself, I'm, I'm fairly ignorant. So let this abide in you doesn't just mean 
knowing it, it means living it. Amen. There's a lot of people that know a lot of scripture. They, they, they've heard it their whole life. But are you living it? Are you walking in that? That's what abiding is. And we're going to talk about some of the meanings of this as, as we get going here. But when we're living in the simplicity of truth of Jesus Christ, we will abide in the Son and the Father. And so we can deny Christ by our actions. And we know that it says if, you, if we claim to be of the light and we're walking in darkness, again, 1 John 1, we're liars, it says. And the truth is not in us. And so we deceive ourselves sometimes. We have this self-deception that uh, can happen in our life. So the world's filled with people that are searching. And I really believe they're searching for God. Some people wouldn't admit that, but I believe a lot of people are searching, some sincerely, some insincerely, but a lot of times they're looking in all the wrong places. Where do we find happiness? Well, you know, if I had this, I'd be happy. Where do we find joy? Well, if this happens, you know, I'll be filled with joy. Where do we find contentment? Well, you know, in, in things, mostly in this world, is where we look. We look towards things. We look towards uh, worldly relationships and worldly things. And the Bible tells us that we find these things only in Jesus. But people are searching. And if someone wants to really live in God, then, then John is telling us how to do this here. You know, and, and through all the scriptures. But as we're going through this, John tells us how. He says, let the message of the apostles which you heard from the beginning live in you. Are you letting God's word live in you and live through you? Okay? It goes from being here to here to out here. Are you letting God's word flow through you? Not only are we called to abide in him, but we also know that he abides in us. And that's where our strength, and that's where our power, and that's where our victory, and that's where our contentment, that's where all these things come from, is because he abides in us. We have his spirit in us. So verse 25 goes on to say, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. This isn't just immortality. Sometimes we think of eternal life as only for the believer. Every being that is made in the image of God has immortality. It's just, are you going to be in heaven, or are you going to be in hell? Every, every soul is going to live for all eternity. It's just, what side are you going to be on? So when he talks about this eternal life, this is something different than immortality. This is the life in God, the life in Christ, living in him. It's a life that the lost will never experience through all damnation of all eternity in hell. They're never going to know that. But when we are in Christ, this abiding again, he talks about this eternal life. And so this is the promise that he has given us. Who, who is us? This is the believers. Eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So there are going to be many that try to deceive us. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him which abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you but these. Oh, excuse me. But as the same anointing teaches all concerning us. So this is the same anointing we talked about last week that every believer has. Sometimes people believe, well, we get an extra anointing or a special anointing. The anointing of the Spirit comes at your time of salvation. You may have special gifts that God wants to use, um, but we all have this anointing. And this is what testifies. You know, it says, my spirit testifies with his spirit. How do we know when we have guilt in our life and when we're doing right when we're doing wrong or when we're praying and we're looking for discernment. How do we know what choices to make? We know that by the Holy Spirit that lives within us. 
we're praying and we're seeking God, and, and we're not just going to him telling God what we want, as, as many of us probably do, but we pray to God, seeking and asking. And then we take time to listen. And in our fast-paced world, many times, we don't listen. Amen. We don't listen to one another. We don't listen to God. We just are, are like this in our life. Just moving, 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 moving. Somebody said this morning, you know, you, you wake up and it's like, is it Sunday already again? This whole week just goes, whew. You know, we were a fast-paced world and things are happening. But to abide in Christ, to abide in God, we need to spend time not only in prayer, giving him, he wants to hear from us. He knows the things that are on our heart already, but he wants to hear from us. And it's good for us to just to spell those out to him. But then to listen and to wait upon the Lord and for his perfect timing and things. And when that happens, it's just a beautiful thing. It's just like watching a flower bloom. And he will give you the answers that you are seeking. So he gives us this promise of eternal life. And then he talks about this message of truth that he has given us. So what does it mean to live in Jesus? That's sort of like where the rubber hits the road. What does it mean to live in Jesus? Is it just saying I'm a Christian? Is it just picking up my Bible and, and coming to church? Is it just being a part of a Bible study? Is that living in Jesus? You know, I think the modern church today has, has focused so much on in, internal things that we forget Amen. the whole world that's out there. You know, I, I've been in churches and I've seen other churches that sometimes above their door, they'll say, you are now entering the missions field when you're walking out of the churches. You know, there's a lot of churches, and, I, and I, I don't fault churches for this. I think it's good that they have Bible studies, and they'll have groups, and they have all these things that are going on in the church, which is good, because that equips us, that trains us, that gets us in the thought pattern. And sometimes we're drawing those from the community into those things. And, and those are all good things. But I want to ask you, what are you doing when you go outside the church? That's where our light shines. You know, when, when we're all 60-watt bulbs in here, maybe a couple hundred-watt bulbs in here, you know, we're all pretty bright, right? We're looking pretty good. But when you go into darkness, that's where our light really needs to shine. That's where abiding in Christ is really going to make a difference in the world. And so we need to have this walk that is consistent with God's truth because the world is watching us. The world looks at us as believers, and they see us. And unfortunately, many times in the world, people have foregone the church because the church isn't much different, in principle even, than the world is. Right. Many times the church has become so much like the world. And God says that we need to be different. He even calls us a strange and peculiar people. We don't like to be strange and peculiar. We want to be accepted. We want to be like everybody else, right? We, we sort of raise our kids that way sometimes, you know, to... Well, you want to fit in. You, want to, you, don't, you don't want to be looked upon strangely. But God says we're a strange and peculiar people. And he tells us that in our lives we need to be different. We need to stand for things that are different. We don't need to be afraid to say, that's sinful. You know that you can tell somebody that, that they have sin and still love them? You can still have relationship with them? You know, you can't. You can confront those things. It says we need to speak the truth in love, but we need to speak the truth, okay? We don't do it to prove ourselves right or to prove somebody else wrong or to show superiority in things, but we, we speak that truth because 
we really care for that person and we want them to also abide in Christ. Jesus was never afraid to confront those with sin in their life. Amen. And if, if, if you really want a pattern for your life, and I think Peter always said that very well, he says, you know, he has given us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. I challenge you to read through the Gospels and see how Jesus dealt with sinners. Now, he dealt with the religious right sometimes fairly strong, the, the Pharisees and those. But with the sinners, he acted always in love. And he always reached out to them in love. So what does it mean to live in Jesus? So he brings up this, this challenging image that we're looking at in, in verses 28 and 29. It says, And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If we know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. He gives us that image that's, that's really pretty challenging in our life, I think. So when we look at this and we say, um, he's, he's talking to the church here, right? Now little children. <coughs> Excuse me. He says that when he appears that we may have confidence and not be ashamed. So he's, he's telling the church, there's going to be two things that are going to happen when Jesus appears. You can be confident or you can be ashamed. And we don't think of that as believers sometimes. I know some people that believe, well, when Jesus comes, you know, we're not going to have any recollection of, of the wrong that we've chosen to do. But I think even for a moment that we are, otherwise I don't think uh, John would have written this here. It tells us that they may be ashamed of him for a moment, at least for a brief moment, knowing that they weren't walking in the way that Christ had called him to do. Now listen, Romans tells us, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. We can all sit here and say, you know, I've missed a lot of opportunities in my life. Those are fine. When we go to God and we recognize those things and, and we seek his forgiveness for those things, those things are wiped clean. But when we continue to walk in the ways of the world, when we continue to value worldly things over godly things, I believe that there may be that time. And so we're going to realize when Christ comes back that, that they've been living a worldly ways. And, I, and really these unfruitful lives that's talked about in John 15. What a waste of a Christian life to say I've been, I've been born again. That Jesus gave his life for me. He, he's redeemed me. I'm saved. And I've wasted my life on my own worldly pleasures. That I haven't spent time trying to give others what Christ has given me. See, he's called us on this, on this mission. And so in a moment, the understanding will overwhelm them, I believe, that, that whatever other accomplishments they had in their life, that they're just going to realize that there were some other things that they could have done that they chose not to. See, when we talk about choosing to, to walk with God, that's a daily choice. That's our life. We get up in the morning and we say, what, what is this going to happen? We are faced with temptations during the day. What am I going to do? Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow my own ways? God desires that we follow him. That's abiding in him. The Apostle Paul speaks of those who are, are barely saved. We've read those scriptures, right? It says, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as yet through the fire. 1 Corinthians 3. And so we can get this picture of, of uh, being barely saved and being almost saved. 
And there's a fine line in there. And my question always is, are we really smart enough to distinguish that? Sometimes in our life, we, we want to think, how far can I stray from the shepherd and still be part of the flock? Isn't that sort of our, our, our thought sometimes? You know, how much can I, how close to the, the fence can I get, you know, before I get shocked? Instead of our ideas saying, I'm going to stay far away from that fence. How little can I do and still make it to heaven? See, that's the wrong mindset. John challenges us in that because he says that's not abiding in Christ. That's not walking with him. You know, and unfortunately in our, in our behaviors that we've fostered in our life, we've sort of come to that. You know, how little can I do? I do I've done enough. I'm doing my part. I'm doing this. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't say I did enough. He stayed there until it was finished. Amen. And he looked down upon him. He says, Father, forgive them. And when he gasped his last, he said, it is finished. And he commended his soul to heaven. He gave us all to the very point, and I believe Jesus calls us to do that same thing. Now you can't regulate that in the church. You can't mandate that with believers. That is something that comes from inside. That's what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. To walk closer to Him. And so I always challenge people, are you in prayer about these things? Is Christ really abiding in you and are you abiding in Him? Are you walking together with Him? Because it's important to to consider these matters of being almost saved and being barely saved. See, when Christ comes, I want to be the confident one. And, and I can't picture this in my mind because I just think of sinful man and sinful Craig. But I know the Bible says that we can stand confidently before his presence, knowing that I have the advocate Jesus Christ. You know, Billy Graham said one thing, I think it was Barbara Walters that, that interviewed him years and years ago. and She was like, what do you want to hear when you get to heaven? And all he said is, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. You know, Billy Graham, who's probably one of the, the greater evangelists of all times, all he wanted to hear was, well done. Do you think that you're going to hear that in your life? Do you think you deserve to hear that in your life? If you don't, what's keeping you from striving to that point of well done, good and faithful servant. We should be diligent to not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. We should be walking in his spirit. We should be abiding in him. So what do we do to prepare for Christ's coming? Well, the one spiritual prescription is what we've been talking about. Abiding in him. That's how we get ready for Christ's coming, is we walk in his ways. We follow his word. Are you following his example? We hold his truth. Follow his example. We make him our dwelling place. What does it say? I'm just traveling through this world. Some people are more at home in this world than they are in the presence of Christ. Amen. And for the believer, that shouldn't be. This is the foreign land. When we enter into prayer, when we enter into study, we should feel right at home with Christ. Just like, you know, we had all of our kids and grandkids come home and, and you know, they're coming home. And they're feeling good. And the arms are open wide. And when we enter into prayer, that's how it should be. Oh, Lord, it's good to be in your presence. That's why Paul said, you know, 
I'm in this tent. And I know to be absent from this tent is to be present with the Lord because he knew that feeling of being in the presence of God. Are we walking that way? The idea of living in Jesus. He gives us this in John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. How do you argue with the word of God? See, these are the questions. What does the Bible say? What do you do with scriptures like this? Paul expressed the idea of this prayer in in Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Have we just given Christ a room? Or does he have our being? Do we give him everything in our lives? To dwell in Ephesians 3.17 is a Greek word for a permanent home. There's a couple words that are used for abide in the Bible. One is a permanent home. One is where a stranger would stay. So when we say that, that we're abiding in this world, we know that we are just passing through. We're strangers in this land. It's a place. It's a motel. It's a place we're going to stay for a while. It's the tent that we live in. But my desire is to be in that permanent home. Do you abide with him? Or do you just visit him once in a while? It's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Nobody can make you do it. Nobody should be your Holy Spirit convicting you in these things. But as we enter into prayers, we look through the scriptures, we ask ourselves, is Christ abiding in me? Am I abiding in him? Or do we just think about him maybe on a Sunday night or or Saturday night getting ready for church on a Sunday? Or do we think about him just when there's a crisis in our life and we can't figure it out ourselves and we go to prayer? There are three things that we've sort of learned through chapter 2 as we close today. One is when in uh, chapter 2-4, and it's that I know him. And these things we write to you that your joy... Well, that was one, sorry, that was one four. Two forces, this. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But he tells us this, that if we walk in the truth, we can know him. The second is we can abide in him. We just read that in 2.6. We can know him and the things that he has for us. He who says he abides in him also all to walk just as he walked. And the last one is in 2.9, that we are light. Do we think of ourselves as light? Are we polishing our, our, uh, our spiritual attitude, our spiritual life, that we are light to the world? He who says he is in the light and hates his brother, he says is in darkness till now. Amen. So John says, guess what? We can have these things. I can know him. I can abide in him. And I can be in that light. Are you in that light? He wants us to know that if these statements are true, it's going to show in our lives. See, we can proclaim whatever we want to in this world. We can say, I'm the best at this, or I'm nice in this, and I'm kind, and I'm gentle. And, but when people see, they really know. And so John asks us that very question. Does it show in our lives? Let's pray.